A Deeper Dive is brought to you by Zero Hour Health, the industry leader in health crisis prevention and management. Zero Hour Health will help you create a culture of safety, preventing health crises before they make headlines. Their suite of services are tailored to protect your employees, customers, and your brand. Visit ZeroHourHealth.com to learn more. How do you modernize an 85-year-old restaurant brand? Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Flynn Decker, the CEO of Shipley Donuts. Shipley is a fascinating brand. It was started in Houston in the 1940s as a retail operation and has grown to more than 350 locations in 12 states. But it is an absolute institution in its hometown. And Flynn talks about the benefits of having a loyal customer base like that and what it means for the brand's future. We also talk extensively about the company's modernization. Since Shipley was sold to Peak Rock Capital in 2021, the brand has undergone a number of changes, all designed to bring the company into the modern age. We talk about many of those changes and the reaction from the company's base of franchisees to all of that change. We also talk about donuts and kolaches, the Czech pastries that are beloved in Texas. All of that brand gives the company an immense marketing opportunity going forward. We're talking donuts on a deeper dive, so please have a listen. All right, I'm here with Flynn Decker. Flynn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. Good to be here. All right, so what's going on in Donutland? Uh, a lot. Shipley Donuts is, uh, we're, we're uh, entering our 88th year of operations. So uh, it's been a family-run business for many years, and now we're trying to take this uh, Texas homegrown brand to the rest of the world. So that's that was uh, the 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 thing that I really wanted to have you on the podcast talking about because, like, you, it, uh, Shipley's been around for a long time, and uh, a couple of years ago uh, it was sold. And, you know, and then the brand has you know, since then been taking steps to say, all right, it's time that what is has been a, a Texas institution for all intents and purposes that, that it, it, it start taking off. T tell us a little bit about what's been done to to sort of modernize the brand. Yeah, uh, a lot. Right. You can imagine a, a brand that was run by the family for 85 years, three generations. You know, they did things their own way um, and it was good. It was successful because it was a, it's a great core product. Um, but there are a lot of things that uh, as you think about how do you grow beyond sort of its natural boundaries? Uh, how do you what do you need to put in place? So we did. You know, I, I say all the usual things, maybe not so usual, but an ERP system, so better finance an accounting recognition, put in point of sale system didn't exist before, um, not in a uh, universal way, at least. Uh, there were many different things uh, being used out there down to probably a cigar box behind the counter. Um, hmm. We put in uh, online ordering, third party integration into our point of sale, supply chain improvements so that we can grow across the country. And it and it's all you know been paid paying off. We now have a foundation to build off of, and then just this uh, I guess the last several months um, we've gotten our franchise partners to uh, vote in favor of a, a national or our marketing co-op. So we actually have some dollars to promote a brand that really didn't have any 
promotion before that. So kind of have built the foundation. Now we have the fun of getting to turn the dials and figure out what works best as we continue to grow. So what did, what did the company do before without any sort of marketing co-op or anything like that? It just grew organically. I, I use that term organic a lot, right? It means kind of without systems or processes. Mm-hmm. It was it was like, oh, you like the brand? You got to check. Come on in, right? And they did a great job. Um, but a lot of the uh, the franchise partners, it's it succeeded because they're just really hardworking, um, smart individuals. So they kind of did things their own way. So now we have the the fun of sort of putting some systems in place, building off the best practices and then spreading that far and wide. So so now we've got the the tools to to really go and, and kind of hit the gas. So last year, you know, we built a record number of shops, 19 on a base of, well, we're at 352 shops now uh, across mm-hmm. 12 states. And so we built 19 shops, had really great same store sales growth. Um, and we're kind of just getting started, which is weird to say for, an almost eighty-eight-year-old brand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's. Uh, now you're you actually are 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 uh, 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 just starting to see some of the fruits of that marketing co-op, aren't you? For sure. So we just launched our first limited time offer in the company's history. So the the Poptastic, which is uh, taking this new freeze-dried Skittle product, which is delicious, by the way, and it's light and airy, and putting it on sort of a cherry or a strawberry ice donut. Um, so that just launched and we've sold tens of thousands of those now really? um, in just the first couple of weeks. Um, and so it's it gives us the opportunity to kind of add some jet fuel to this thing where it's never had it before. So limited time offers, really dying up, di- dialing up digital advertising that's really efficient because it's geo-targeted around the exact locations. Um, and it gets smarter as you go because of behavioral targeting and all that fun stuff. So now we mm-hmm. can really reach the consumer much more effectively and we've got things to talk about other than hey we've got donuts they're delicious come on in right now we have transaction drivers in the form of limited time offers and and other promotional type things that we can do mm-hmm. but now so so i said like what, what you're talking about is this 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 concept got to like 300 units with relatively little marketing to speak of uh over an 80 year period um and the thing that i found now obviously i am not from texas is that you know you have some real loyal customers and you know that has to be a pretty strong foundation no it it is i mean i've been given a gift i think and first of all it's not obvious that you're not from texas by the way but (laughs) um (laughs) i mean look we're wearing the same shirt i mean i'm in texas you could be too but uh i could be yeah, it's this amazing foundation, right? This super loyal, you know, fan base. And if you look around sort of the home market of uh, of Houston, where there's about 170 units um, in the area, um, these folks, it's it's been able to continue to expand and go out to further and further areas just from word of mouth, right? The product at, at the heart of it, right? And, and, you know, the key to any successful uh, franchise is the product's got to be great, right? So our product is, and I'm super proud of it. We serve 60 plus varieties of donuts and kolaches, which for those that are not from sort of the, the South, kolaches are a beautiful gift. Our, our Czech uh, immigrants brought to Texas um, and they can either be sweet or savory. Ours are savory, can have some jalapeno and sausage in there, some ham and cheese. They're, they're delicious, but 
So that makes up a big part of our product offering. So just it's just a great core product. And so now we just have to tell more people about it. And so um, hopefully my my marketing background, um, as well as having a super talented team and really passionate franchisees that have been in this business, some of them been in this business for 30 or 40 years, and now their their kids are running it, and they have every intention of continuing to pass it along. So um, they have the opportunity to you know cash out and do very well, and yet they stay with this business because they really love it and they believe in it. So um, it, it's really a great opportunity to, to, to build off of and to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Now, you said, if I recall correctly, at the ICR conference, you said that people stop you in airports. Explain. I get, so, you know, the other brands I've worked for, people are always, yeah, yeah that's nice, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah. I like your food yeah. or I like whatever it was we were selling at the time. Mm-hmm. But I wear a Shipley, you know, jacket or shirt as I travel back and forth every week. And I am... It, non, it, there's at least three people per trip at the airport or in between that stop me and want to tell me a personal story, their history yeah. with the brand, how they grew up with it, how much they love it. I mean, literally raving fans. And, and uh, you know, again, with my background as uh, a marketer, that is a great place, you know, to start, right? To have that word of mouth. And that's why we see as we go further out from the home base, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised, maybe shocked a little bit by how much demand there is um, in some of these markets where I think, well, surely they don't know who we are, right? But the word of mouth, somebody lives in Texas, somebody's from Texas, it, it you know blows that up and, and gets us off to a great start in these markets. So um, yeah, it's, it's nice uh, when people stop you and rather than saying, you know, I had a bad experience at your restaurant. It's it's the exact opposite, where they just want to tell me their personal history and story with the brand and, and then inevitably ask me if I have any donuts with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so were you were you aware, like when you, but before you took the, the, the job, were you aware of, of how, how much of a loyal fan base you had? Absolutely not. I didn't really? grow up with this brand. I grew up in the Midwest and uh, not in Texas. So... I am a convert, um, and uh, so as I was doing my research, as they were, you know, talking to me about this opportunity, you know, I did my research, and part of my research was just asking people, you know, from Texas what they thought or what they knew about it, and I got the same reaction as I get when I get on the plane and people see the logo, which was just, you know, a raving fan. So I, like I said, I'm a convert. I, I, uh, I wasn't born and raised in the in the the Shipley business, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to be here now. How do you work for a donut chain and, and not become really, really large and gain? Well, that's why I'm keeping the never... camera up here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, I would to, be uh, rolling out the door. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what. You know, the beautiful thing is, since I got here, because they never did limited time offers. Uh, this is why I may look very different the next time you see me. I've asked. We have a we have a head of culinary. Um, Caitlin, who is, she's, she's just amazing. And I just said, I want new ideas every week. So mm-hmm. uh, I didn't realize that it would be seven or eight or nine new ideas every week that we go to the test kitchen and um, she reveals something new and delicious. So uh, my current state may, uh, may not last for much longer, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a great, you know, opportunity to try new things um, mm-hmm. and to uh, continue to kind of dial in 
the product offering. So when you have 60 plus varieties of donuts, you know, there's a tail to that. And there's, as we start to do more limited time offers, we start to learn more kind of where the consumer is. The nice thing about our brand is we're really, I don't know that inexpensive is the word, but affordable certainly is, right? And we really have this broad range of consumers and we're not selling a $5 donut, right? And there's a lot of folks out there that are doing it and God bless them, more power to them. But we really want to fit in. We really want to be every man's sort of, you know, donut and kolache mm -hmm. stop. So we really try and find things that are kind of in that range that are delicious, but constantly kind of testing the boundaries of what we can do from a product perspective and what our customers will love. Yeah. Another great thing about donuts is it's like almost like a blank slate, right? You could do anything. Yes. Like you can put, and I, and I think may, and maybe it's just me, but I think in recent years, you know, we've seen a lot of really cool experimentation all over the place with donuts. And you, you really could do, I mean, you're putting freeze dried Skittles on donuts for crying out loud. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's a wonderful base, right? We can mm -hmm. do anything. And that was kind of my encouragement to the marketing and the culinary team when I got here and said, we're going to start doing limited time offers. It's like, find something that just goes on top of what we already have because Lauren Shipley, who created this, uh, you know, beautiful business back in 1936, his first, you know, thing was the cream donut, which is our hot glazed donut. You can come in until 11 a.m. in most places and say, I want a hot glazed and they'll make it for you right there. Mm -hmm. It's a delicious base. So if you can find other things that kind of complement that, we just have an endless supply of limited time offer options because we're not really recreating the wheel. We're just enhancing mm -hmm. that wheel in a different way on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, I want, that, that leads uh, nicely into, in, into, into me asking you about kolaches because that one is where I find that if I look at, at Shipley, that's the one, that's the part that I find the most fascinating because like, you know, donut, I mean, in reality, I mean, that gives you all kinds of possibilities. No, I mean, you have that, that theoretically, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I am, but like you could, I mean, you could legitimately turn that into, in, you know, into, you know, lunch opportunities and things like that. No, that's, that's, that's exactly right. It is another great foundation to build off of. We have Right now, we have kind of the, we've got a spicy sausage, uh, a sausage with, with uh, jalapeno, um, ham and cheese. But we have uh, some franchise partners that are doing a Wagyu beef, uh, boudin, if you're in kind of the Louisiana area. Mm -hmm. uh, so it just gives us another um, great opportunity to expand. And most, you know, once you get outside of Texas, people are like, what's a kolache, right? And I Tell them it's kind of a pig in a blanket if you're from the Midwest or up north, but uh, it's fully encased in our proprietary dough mix. And but it gives us lots of opportunities to expand on that as we grow. And it's already about 20 to 30 percent, depending on the shop, part of our business. So it, it makes us very unique, I think, in just those that are just straight donut providers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I that was another thing about uh, is is kind of realizing how popular those things are in Texas. Again, I'm not from Texas. I might look like it today, but I'm not from Texas. And you know, but uh, you know that they're in, insanely popular in Texas. It's a European thing, and they're insanely popular 
um, in Texas, and I think they're growing just generally speaking in the restaurant space because we do see a couple of concepts out there that do specialize in kolaches that are starting to 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 really gain some steam. So it's it's just an idea to me that's that's kind of coming and yeah it started in Texas. It's a nice it's a nice savory compliment to all the sweet items that we sell. So it really gives us a different lane than a lot. And you're right, there are some uh, great concepts that that's all they do, right? So I I really like that too because they they help with the education part, right? As they go into different areas, now people start to better understand it because that's all they do. And then they come to us, and ours are a little bit different than those folks because of the type of dough mix we use, the way that you know, the, the amount, the type of sausage or the type of, you know, things that we put inside, um, you know, make ours, you know, unique. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's, let's chat a little bit about the franchisee base. So, uh, you've been going, undergoing a number of changes, um, uh, within the system. How is a, how is a franchisee base reacted and, and, and how have you worked with them to, you know, to, uh, you know, talk through some of the things, do different things you're going to do them. Obviously they, must feel confident in management if they approved a, a marketing call. Yeah, I think so. That was my first sort of tour of duty when I got here because I took over in May of, of last year and um, immediately went on a road trip um, and we did road shows. And a big part of that was, hey, here are the things that we're focused on. Um, we need to get this ad fund over the line. It comes down to a vote, majority rules based just on the way we're set up. And so I, I think generally people are pretty happy because look, sales are up or above average when it comes to the industry, you know, store growth continues just in the first, just in this month, we've had um, several existing franchisees that might've been in a wait and see mode. Like, okay, well, you know, what's this guy going to do or what's this team going to do that have all signed up for multi-shop deals as we go forward. So a big part of our base is renewals and bigger commitments from existing franchisees. Now, as we continue to grow outside of our, our base, and we're about 20% of our units are outside of Texas right now, that's going to continue to climb as we bring in multi-concept, multi-unit uh, franchise partners uh, that want to, they've got a lot of white space in these new uh, markets. And my personal belief is we can succeed anywhere, right? If we're the core product is fantastic. As long as we're shinier, cleaner, well-operated um, than the mom and pop down the street or maybe even the you know national chain down the street, uh, we will win. So I think that um, is pervasive in terms of that way of thinking. And it is our franchisees believe in it and they're showing it by signing up for more and more units. Mm hmm. So where are uh, where are you going next? What are where are, what are the growth plans at this point? There seem relatively aggressive to me. Yeah, well, um, uh, we have we'll probably open 30 plus this year. So another mm -hmm. um, shop record. We're in 12 states. We primarily occupy right now the southeast. So up to Colorado and across to Maryland, uh, we opened up five new states in the Midwest um, for uh, development uh, in just the last few months. So we're fielding, you know, interest in those markets. So I think we'll probably try and stay as much in the sort of that contiguous area in the Southeast, right? Building off sort of the ripple effect of brand recognition um, as we go. But uh, uh, we continue to entertain, you know, ideas that we've turned down a few things where they're like, well, let's take it to New York. It's like, let's not go there yet or California. 
it's like, let's stay in our lane. We can continue to move out, you know, regionally. And then, you know, as it gets a, a bigger foothold, uh, we can go further out. The other thing too, that we're doing is um, smaller, faster, more economical build outs. Um, we have proven that we can go into B and C real estate uh, in center of a strip in the middle of a strip center and be really successful and the shops hmm. cash flow really well. So rather than going to a brand new market and, you know, and people are like, well, I'm going to build, I want, I've, I've seen some of these other donut shops. Let's build a drive, double drive through and, you know, a, you know, 5,000 square foot unit. It's like start modestly, right? Seed the market, build brand awareness. That's the, that's the long-term sort of that's the way they have long-term success versus, you know, immediate, just one high AUV. So that's, that's the, that's the strategy that we're taking. Yeah. You, um, you know, being in the uh, Southeast, uh, you, you can South and Southeast, you can, uh, you, you probably have quite a bit of white space still without really expanding your, your geographic, uh, geographic reach all that much. Correct. So we do, right? Um, there's a lot of opportunity. Sorry, I'm losing my voice here. More water. And- Man, I'm hammering you too much with these hard donut <laughs> questions. <laughs> Feel like I'm under interrogation. No, it's uh, um, no. We yeah, we have a ton of white space. I mean, we have we we, we just started seeding Florida, for instance. Just started seeding Georgia and with our first units there. We have you know, Mississippi, Louisiana, where there's just tons of space still available, but we've got lots of um, examples of successful locations that have already opened there. So we're taking, a, I think, a more thoughtful approach. I think before my arrival, it was, hey, let's sell a 25-store deal or let's sell a 20-store deal. Uh, my mindset is let's sell a three to five-store deal. Uh, and when they're successful, we'll carve out some more territory for them. Um, but let's be thoughtful about our approach and not just try and, you know, stuff the, stuff the pipeline um, and say, well, look at all these shops we have in the pipeline. Isn't that great? I'd rather have three to five that open really fast. Um, and, and we've squeezed down because of this new strategy of sort of smaller, faster, more cost effective. We've been able to get we're getting shops open, uh, you know, at a much faster pace than we were before. Um, when it was kind of like, well, it really comes down to when they're going to build the freestanding unit or when, you know, the landlord's going to release this property. So um, it, it just helps us on all fronts uh, be smarter and, and therefore we can go into any of these states and, and be successful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pipeline is uh, a, a good pipeline is great, but uh, too many times, you know, franchisees, especially with some of these really aggressive ones um signed by you know relatively new franchises you know a lot of times they don't they don't end up getting fulfilled so right you know to me doing it you know you know taking a more cautious approach especially when you're seeding a market is probably the right way to go and it locks up it locks up a ton of territory right like Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll hold some territory or give someone first right of refusal as long as they're hitting their marks, right? Like, let's get this open. Let's get you successful. Let's make sure, you know what, this is the right business model for you and the right one for us. And then we'll find you some more territory. But but having somebody sign a 25 unit deal or a 50 unit deal for a wide swath of territory, 
that's going to take one group a really long time to get it done unless they're kind of at the top of the sophistication list. But but as we continue to grow, right, we want people that can be as nimble as possible and then we'll find more opportunities for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so asking this question, everybody, how is uh, how is the labor picture like right now for you guys? Uh, it's good. So we came in, um, I, I brought in a great operator uh, just a few months ago and we and I knew and he quickly realized, too, that we have a ton of opportunity from a labor perspective, right, to dial in what we do. If if we straight line what we've been able to do in just the last few months, it's just our company stores. Um, we have decreased um, labor cost as well as food cost as a result um, so that these things can be really efficient. So we haven't had the problem, too much of a problem with, because we're a different day part, that's one of the things that benefits us, I should say, because um, some people, if they want to have a second job, they can work for us and have a morning or early you know, um, afternoon shift and then be able to go do something else. So mm-hmm. um, we find that, look, if we um, we pay people right. We treat people right. We just haven't had as much of a labor challenge, I think, as some other people. Yeah. How did you how were you able to 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 cut back on those labor costs like that? I'll be honest. There were a lot of holdover behaviors from when mm-hmm. it was a family run business. Um, and so really, we weren't reinventing the wheel. It was a labor matrix, making sure we had the right model, the right positions, Re, really defining those positions, pay the people you have well, um, versus there was a lot of overtime, right? So um, there was, it was held up. And in our units, we make everything fresh every single day. Nothing mm-hmm. is held over from the day before. So we have a baker there at three in the morning making the dough, making all the, the product. Um, and there's some opportunity there as we go forward. But just putting a labor model in place, theoretical food cost. Um, we have squeezed just in our 12 locations about $800,000 of cost savings out um, that will over, you know, if you analyze, annualize what we've done um, just in the, the first few months of really focusing on it. And that was done by just basically just modernizing the operation. In Indeed. Ways. And we've got so much opportunity in front of us because it is an antiquated business. Um, we are, yeah. we're not producing stuff in a commissary as some do. We don't have a very limited sort of, um, menu. We had 60 varieties plus clotches. So we're going to continue to look at, is that the right number? Um, I, you know, I don't take anything for granted. Um, and everything when they say, well, this is what we do. Well, my first question is, well, why do you do that? Right. And let's get to the bottom and say, is that still the right thing to do? We have to continue to evolve as a brand. Um, it's not easy being around for 88 years and growing for 88 years. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a lot of brands out there that have been around for a long time. They're not they haven't been growing consistently and probably aren't still growing. Um, this business is unique. Um, I think it fills sort of an interesting niche. And if we do the right thing, we control costs, we make sure our franchisees are making more on the top line and bottom line, we got a lot more runway in front of us. Uh, That's a great note to end on. I love this, Flynn. Thanks for joining me this week on the podcast. Jonathan, thank you so much. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Spoons, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. 
You may also subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Deeper Dive, brought to you this week by Zero Hour Health, the number one health advisory firm in the food service and hospitality industries. If you want to learn more about how Zero Hour Health can protect your business, check out ZeroHourHealth.com.